hello and welcome. Welcome to episode 73 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted craft beer scenes across the United States. I'm your host, Jesus Butchered that. Butchered that. Can't talk tonight. Let's try that again. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm happy to welcome back uh, my co-host for this month, Tom. Tom, how's it going? Oh, you know, living the dream, baby. I'm about to drink some good beer, talk a little bit about it, you know? Have my dogs bark in the background while we're at it, but maybe you can't hear that. Faintly. I faintly hear it. I, uh, yeah, I feel for you. I, I don't have dogs. I have cats. They're not very loud. My daughter tells me that the cat's mowing, as she says, scares her at night. Uh, but I don't, <laughs> I don't believe her. I think she's, thinks she's a bit of a bullshitter in that regard. <laughs> Nothing like a toddler who's already learned how to BS her way through life. She, you don't, you don't even know. Yeah. She'll, she'll, uh, when she wants attention, she'll be like, I hurt. I heard I got boo boo. Yeah. She uh, already knows how to pull at our heartstrings. Still in Yakima here, Tom, not in Yakima, but talking about Yakima. So I figured put the floor out there for you to do your thing. Oh, wow. I was going to sneak it in at the end, but yeah, I, I would have to say I never had to be out, out boo boo at St. Joe's grade school, middle school, shout out to my history there. Uh, the nuns were actually re- pretty, pretty friendly to me. No uh, rulers, no uh, corporal punishment. Great place to have an education. Well, I knew you were going to say that and it kind of led you into giving your shout out, your weekly shout out to St. Joseph. So I've come with history facts. Did you know the parish was founded in 1875? I, you know, I, I did, did not do a deep dive. I just lived it. I was living in the moment. Okay. I didn't do the, well, tell me more. So I read the companies, or I read the, I read the history on the church's website, uh, a fun little fact that was in there. I, I don't know why this was on there. Uh, in 1970, sister Rebecca Berghoff accepted the position of principal oh. of St. Joseph grade school. She was my, my principal. I, I remember sister Rebecca very well. Well, this, this will be, uh, maybe we can get conversation confirmation on this next fact here. It was described on the official history on the, the website of the church. She was described as quote, the oldest, the ugliest and the finest. no, uh, she may have been the oldest. She definitely was not the ugliest. That would have been Sister Joan. Um, <laughs> We're just throwing and, shade at, at other yeah, sisters I, from the so church sis, now. Sister Joan. Oh, she. So, so many stories about her. I, I don't know if we have time, but she used to have this big. <laughs> we big, do not. Big, we, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell it sometime afterwards then. But man, she was a piece of work. That's for sure. She's probably, I, I, I'm assuming she's passed away. So I might be throwing shade in a, in a uh, maybe she, because oh, only the good die young, as Billy Joel once wrote, a you know, kind of, and there's a Catholic school line in that song. Um, she might be still alive because she was, anyway, I, 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 I better stop. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, the, the final fact I had was in 1999, the, the church that was there was destroyed by fire. Do, do, do you remember that? I that's well past my I was out by the mid 80s. So, wow. Well, my ultra boy years are are not there anymore. I wonder if they rebuilt one 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 out of three, I think, on the St. Joseph facts there. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got another Yakima episode here. We're making our way through the valley that brings the America that brings America hops and sandwich bag closures. 
among other uh, great things. Uh, today, we're featuring Single Hill Brewing Company. They're a great Yakima-based brewery founded in 2018 by Zach Turner and Ty Paxton. They won a gold medal at last year's GABF at the Wet Hop IPA category, and in addition to numerous awards that they've won at very, uh, various other competitions, including seven medals at the 2019 Washington Beer Awards. Good stuff. It's an impressive company. Drinking beers tonight. Tom, what beers are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking the Shinrin Yoku, uh, which is a nice rice lager uh, that we will uh, be diving into. And I think Zach has an amazing story about where that name com- comes from. Maybe it's not amazing, but it's interesting. But maybe it is amazing. I, I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll let the we'll let the the audience determine where on the spectrum that is if we can get oh to that God. story and uh then we're gonna do the outcross omega um, experimental hop series beer which is marvelous i i have my secret stash in my warehouse here and that is the one that i've drawn to the most i'm i'm gonna be biased towards that so but i kept i kept the shinrin yoku untouched i wanted to be surprised on at least one of the beers here so um and Fun fact about Tom, Japanese rice lagers, I much enjoy them. So Tommy likes. Tommy likes. Tommy likes. Yeah. Tommy definitely likes. Well, I think it's I think think it's time to bring on our guest then. Sounds good. Well, uh, we're gonna be joined by a guest tonight. So please join us in welcoming uh the co-founder and head brewer of Single Hill, Zach Turner. How's it going, Zach? Good. How are you guys? Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Very good. Awesome. Nice to see you. Thanks for uh, inviting us to share our story with you guys. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Tom, take it away. Well, our first beer. I'm going to open it. I haven't opened it yet. Let's do it. The the Shinran Yoku that we talked about. Maybe you can start us off by telling us uh, about where this name came from and uh, what it means. So Shinran is a Japanese lager. We've only made it twice. Um, We just brewed it again for Hop Harvest. And at this point, it's all gone. Basically got drunk about halfway through Hop Harvest. Um, made it primarily to have something that's not hoppy, that's super, super refreshing that we could, that brewers would drink after they're out selecting hops all day. The name itself, Shinrin Yoku, is a, it refers to a Japanese practice called forest bathing, where you basically just go wander in the forest and have a very nice mellow, mellow time and take in the atmosphere of the, of the woods, of the forest through your senses. So that's like, that's what Shinrin Yoku means. What that means related to a Japanese rice lager, I'm not really sure, but it sounds like a very pleasant thing to do. I would definitely take a walk in the woods with this beer. Just the clarity of it. It's, it's I mean, it's so clear. It, won't, it, it keeps on going in and out of my yep. green screen. <laughs> um, so you guys are mostly known, though, for hop forward beers. What differences in the lager program excite you the most? So, yeah, we, we mostly have been making hoppy beers since we opened in 2018. I mean, that's what we've kind of spent the most time on. Makes sense where we are what our background is. But in the last couple of years, we spent more and more time on lager on Pilsner and Tristan Carosis, our lead brewer is really into it as well. So it's been like part of what's been fun for him and a challenge for him as figuring out how to produce good lager here. Cause neither of us have much of a background in it. I came from Odell brewing before this, like several years ago. Um, oh, no and they weren't really lager brewers either. So you know, I was the quality manager there and I know how to, I knew how to run a brewery with the yeast that they used. And that's kind of what we do here, but they weren't lager brewers. So for the last couple of years, we've kind of had to figure out what we want 
our lagers to taste like and how to make them well and um, how to do them with without filtration and get them bright and get them done the right time. It's been a fun challenge and it's been nice to get some momentum behind them too. So we can do it more frequently, you know, as we put a one-off out in the market and getting it to like sell quick enough that we can go ahead and do another one. Uh, that's been really exciting. So we basically have a regular rotating loggers now. Um, Shinrin was one of those and then uh, followed that up with our fest beer and a Czech dark lager and going to do a Vienna this Friday. So just kind of cycling through them. Sounds like Oh, yeah. The, I do want to follow up on the name Shinrin, uh, especially with that idea of, of brewing it for, you know, brewers to, to drink when they're, you know, after they've been out selecting ha- uh, hops all day. Is it kind of an allusion to, you know, what they're doing? They're not necessarily walking the fields and stuff, but they're taking in what the, the you know, the forest of hops had to offer them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. It definitely wasn't the original concept, but I can oh. see, I see how that would work. <laughs> I'll, I think, I'll put honestly, that spin it was, on it. Uh, we can put that probably, spin on it. Probably uh, it's a pretty pronounceable name that sounds sort of Japanese <laughs> versus like other Japanese words that might be a little harder for somebody to pronounce at the bar when they're ordering a beer. So, I mean, that was probably a bigger factor in naming the beer than anything else. All right. But yeah, I mean, selecting and being in Yakima during harvest, maybe there's a cool word for taking in the atmosphere of the hop farm, the hop, the hop fields or something. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm certainly not poetic or creative enough to, to be that person that comes up with that. So we'll work on moving it. on. See, if I was coming up with names, <laughs> they would be unpronounceable, at least one of them with every series. Yeah, I think that works in Portland, but I don't know if you can handle <laughs> it in Yakima. Like, uh, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm old school Yakima, man. I mean... You are. Right. We don't live baby. here anymore. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. It's by the way, you've been talking about that a lot. St. Joe's is across the street from us. Oh nice. Um, like literally, it's kitty corner to us. They had to approve our liquor license because of their proximity to us. <sighs> oh my god! Full circle. Yeah. That, that's that's <laughs> our, amazing. Um, that one, of wholesale, amazing. one of our wholesale guys, Jose Garcia. His wife is an art teacher over there, and she also does a bunch of our labels. Wow, yeah. this, this is wonderful. Shout out, shout out the St. Joe's shout out. Seriously. So let's, let's get into our rapid fire questions here. Uh, these are fast questions that help us get to know you. So they, they help to get you help us get to know you fast. I'm Uh really struggling to talk (laughs) properly here. So we got fast questions. We want fast, fast answers. Zach, are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. Cool. Let's do it. Favorite non single hill beer. You know, I don't pick favorites very often. So I was thinking about this. We get a lot of beers dropped off during harvest. Like a lot of beers are just brought to us as gifts. And I think the ones that left the biggest impression on me most recently were a set that we got from Highland Park in LA. Got to meet those guys and share some beers with them and uh, really enjoyed sampling all the things that they brought us across the range. Best beer, Hoppy Lager, West Coast IPA. Um, I think of the things we received during harvest, those are the things that stuck in my mind the most. Shout out to Highland Park. Great brewery, definitely. We normally ask people favorite hop, but I'm going to switch it up. Favorite malt. Favorite base malt. We can kind of zero it in. A lot of our specialty malts come from a little co-op maltster in northeastern Washington in Spokane called Link Malt. And uh, we use a lot of their Baroness English Pale. Uh, Baroness is a it's kind of a heritage variety that I think they're probably the only people supplying it. And we use their English pale as just sort of a, a base, like for lava bond uh, malt that we add to our Pilsner in almost all of our beers to kind of build up a little bit more body and character. Our Pilsner malt, base Pilsner malt is really, really light. So 
the English PL gives us how to build body when we want to build body. Nice. Favorite season of the year. You know, right now in Yakima is pretty perfect. Once the heat goes away and before it gets cold, uh, fall is pretty nice here. Spring is also pretty nice here. Summer is pretty hot and winter can be pretty dreary unless you get a chance to go skiing in the mountains. All right. Uh, wine or cider? Um, probably wine, but honestly, don't drink too much of either. Cool. Wouldn't mind. It's just there's not much time for more alcohol in my life. Yeah. When it's kind of <laughs> in your professional day-to-day life, it's like, yeah, just have a beer. If you're not working, where are you most likely to be? Probably most likely at this moment with my family. I've got two little kids, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So yeah, doing something related, family stuff, maybe out in the mountains, maybe not mountain biking, something like that. Heck yeah. I've asked this question before in the rapid section, uh, mountain biker, uh, hardtail or full suspension? Uh, Full suspension, but I'm not that much of a mountain biker. Okay. All right. And then final rapid fire question. My favorite rapid fire question. Have you ever seen a UFO? You know, I don't really think so. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. Maybe I'll look harder next time. That's fine. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily 100% believe in aliens. I really like a good alien story, though. Sure. We should be asking about Bigfoot, though. What, Tom? Why didn't we? We should have changed these questions. We should be asking about Bigfoot, specific Northwest. (laughs) There's definitely Sasquatch around here, for sure. If you ask Ty, uh, he's got quite a bit of experience in that in that realm. Um, Oh. You could probably find some All videos right. of him hunting them, stalking them. He doesn't kill them. He just goes and look for them. We'll have to reach out Take to a look. About... Take a look on the internet. Larry Markwart. Okay. Sasquatch. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for the rapid fire questions. Sure, man. Moving on. So uh, we talked a little bit about you winning a GABF medal uh, at the beginning here. What was that like? Uh, what was the experience like? I mean, did, were you at, were you in Denver when it got announced? Did you get to go run up on stage? Did you, what, so, what, what was it like? Fresh, so it was for Fresh Up IPA or Fresh Up beer last year in 2021. Mm-hmm. And the, the judging and the awards for that category were separate from GABF, the main GABF last year. So uh, actually it was a complete surprise. I was just, we were just, I was just making beer on the brew deck and I started getting a bunch of texts from uh, from friends being like oh good job congratulations like wait what are we talking about here <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was pretty rad but um it was there wasn't much anticipation leading up to it it just like happened all of a sudden is there anything different be- between preparing a fresh hop beer for gabf and and uh i'm assuming you've you've entered other beers in the non-fresh hop category it, what's yeah. it take to to get a beer to that level we make a, we make quite a bit of fresh hop beers here we decided a couple of years in that if uh, we're going to be in Yakima, we are in Yakima and like, we really should fully embrace fresh up and fresh up beers and like kind of become a place for it. So at this point we do make quite a few, we ended up putting out like six beers in cans this year and then three others through the fresh up rodeo. Um, so in the end, it ended up being like 15 separate beers were produced. Right. And we mainly, so we could basically pick from all the ones that were done by the time the entries needed to be in Denver. So, you know, we had what we had and we picked our favorite from that lineup. Um, we make it a little bit ch- more challenging for ourselves because we don't, we try not to, well, actually at this point, we just don't, we don't use any hops that came from the previous year. So when we make a fresh hop beer, we're only using 2022 hops. So the date that we can enter the beers into GABF, like it makes a pretty big difference for us. It makes a big difference for everybody. If like the GABF entry date is, 
you know, mid-September, there's just not that many days to make fresh hot beer because harvest has only been going on for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're using wet hops on the hot side, like you only have the first week of harvest to pick from if you need to submit your beers in two weeks or three weeks down, down the road from that. So I forget the entry date this year, but it was relatively early. So some of our biggest, punchiest beers weren't even done yet. So we, we kind of, we, we entered our mid, kind of early mid harvest beers, but not the beer that we entered in 2021. That was not, that wasn't even done yet. Is that, is that typical for brewers to use fresh hop, to use fresh hops for bittering charges in, in fresh hop beers? So I think the, there's a lot of like vagary or grayness around like what constitutes a fresh hop beer at this point. So you've got, to, you have a lot of options. Yeah. Um, I'd say the two most common ways to produce a fresh hop beer are using whole wet hops on the hot side in a hop back. So usually people will use their hop, use their mash tun as a hop back and they'll run their wort after before or after whirlpool through there to infuse all the, the wet cones. And that might be the only fresh hop that is in a fresh hop beer for a lot of people. The other, the other pretty yeah. common way is just brew your beer on the hot side, just like you would brew it for any other IPA or whatever your style is. And then during fermentation or at normal dry hop time, or even in your bright tank, fuse whole wet cones into it through one way or another, you know, like putting it into a tank, recirculating it, putting big body bags full of hops into a, into a fermenter and then filling it up with wort. So it would be like a cold side infusion, um, dry hopping style. Those are probably the most, the two most common things, but then both of those cases, most breweries are also going to be supplementing with some T90 pellets they got from a hop company to, you know, round it out, build more character and depth and things like that. So we use a lot of wet cones in the hop back, you know, in our mash tun as a hop back. Um, That's, you know, universal across all of them, you know, at least 15 to 30 pounds per barrel is a typical range, wet cones in the hop back. And then everything else that goes into that beer is um, fresh dried that we pelletize ourselves. So I said, like timing matters for us, probably more than most people. Like we just, we won't have, we don't have as big of a palate to work with until harvest like proceeds far enough along for those hops to have been harvested, dried for us to like, you know, pelletize them and stuff. So I think it's really fun. The yeah. character of our fresh hops change over the season because of that. Have you ever used uh, liquid nitrogen with your fresh hops? And uh, like freezing, them? freezing and crushing green yeah. undried hops. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't dabbled a little bit with that, but we haven't done that. We don't typically use green hops on the cold side, which is where that, is really mm-hmm. beneficial. So I tried to make a separator a few years ago to like freeze them and then sift out the lupulin from wet cones, but you know, didn't get that far before uh, we actually just needed to make fresh hops and not dick around anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was a concept, but it didn't really come together. Now you can just buy a YCH301 and that's all done for you, but that doesn't qualify for us either because it was made last year. Continue talking about ingredients, Moving a little further, before we get into our next beer, we should talk about this this whole series. Outcross is an experimental series, Single Hills, quote, ongoing collaboration with the world's beer ingredient innovators. So what was the origin of Outcross series? And can you give us some more details about the series? Yeah, so it used to be the world's hop innovators, but then we made that last, the one that is in your sampler pack uh, with the yeast company. So we had to make it more generic to like, ingredient innovators, not just hops anymore. So the inception of it 
it's kind of two parts. Before we even opened, we bought uh, this setup with three fiber barrel tanks on a skid, and they're all piped together so we can clean them and fill them as a unit. Uh, we call it the experimenter. And this is sort of just an outgrowth of like my background at Yakima Chief Ops, which is where I worked before this. I was their quality director and uh, technical director at the end. But we never, we didn't really have much of a technical program at that point. And we didn't really have a lot of like pilot brewing going on. So one of the things that I'm interested in is, you know, doing trials, like good, good quality, well-controlled trials to showcase and just kind of see how different experimental hops work. So that's why we bought the experimenter like to begin with. And we've used it in various ways here just to make different variants on beers, but we haven't really sold them as like side-by-side -side comparisons before until 2021. Um, our friend Nikolai Petra, who's the breeder at Hopsteiner, uh, we worked with him first on the first set of outcrosses. And the premise is we make one batch of 15 barrels of wort. Uh, we fill the three tanks simultaneously. So the wort is identical between tanks, um, same amount of troop, same oxygen, same yeast. And then ferment three side-by-side -side beers that, you know, they really do, they're, they're the same, you know, the starting point's the same, they ferment the same, um, and then we can dry hop them separately. It's a series that has its origins at the, the beginning of the brewery, right? It was one of the first pieces of equipment. Yeah, installed. it's one of the concepts. It didn't have the name Outcross at that time, but um, yeah. So it's been fun to see it actually happen. Uh, first round, first batches we did were Hopsteiner, but then we did, I think, six six of them in 2021. And then we've done New Zealand hops, Omega yeast, and then hop quality group hops this year. So three more, So we've done nine total, um, which covers almost everybody breeding hops in the United States. Um, plus the breeding program from New Zealand hops in New Zealand. And then we just started venturing into yeast, which has been super fun. Which are the beers that you guys are sampling with Omega yeast, where we tried three of their genetically and gene edited GMO strains. I'm not sure how they prefer to, identify that but they're like yeah strains that they've they've carefully modified to in one case the sundew they've taken out the uh, the genes responsible for creating phenolics like the spicy characters spicy cloves out of a belgian strain to leave just kind of the fruity esters behind but not the spiciness and then the other two are what they call thialized where they've they've inserted a or moved around a gene uh, that basically cleaves thiol precursors and makes them aroma active, makes these sulfur compounds that are really, really potent and make like guava and passion fruit, grapefruit kind of flavors. So we have two different, two different yeasts there, Star Party and Cosmic Punch that have different enzymes that are responsible for like the, taking apart the precursors and making flavor active compounds. Yeah, this is, a, this is such a cool project because especially this this variation of it because i i love this idea i i have you know a bit of a background in home brewing I, I brewed for 10 years and you know i have a young daughter now so i don't really have much time to do that anymore and what i really fell in love with was fermentation and this idea of you could brew the same exact beer and just change the fermentation schedule or change just the yeast strain and come up with a different completely different beer and completely different flavor profiles. Yeah. So like, I love that you put that into action with this. Yeah. So then one of the neat things about the series is we end up packaging them as a set and we end up putting them on, on tap in our tap room as a set too. So you can order a flight without cross. And then we ask for consumer feedback. So customers kind of like indicate which one they like the best out of the series. And then they're invited. If, you, if you're looking at the can, there's that QR code on the back and like, 
people are invited to use that and go to outcross.beer and, uh, and provide their feedback on the current release. And then we kind of collect that data. We don't get very much feedback, unfortunately, but uh, the, the notion is there. And then we do get feedback from our tap room and we can also send those beers to the hop companies in town. You have um, well-developed sensory programs and then get their like a little more professional, like here's what they're, what they're getting from it. You know, we don't have the resources for that internally because we're a pretty small brewery, but um, within Yakima, there's a ton of that. Those resources exist, right? Yeah. And as long as you're not the, the dick in town, everybody's like, yeah, sure. Come on. You, you know, use, uh, use our equipment. <laughs> for sure. Um, we're probably not that. And uh, we've, we're the, we're the neutral party in town. So, yeah. <laughs> well, judging by all the people who are, well, the, the one person who's salivating in the chat, uh, are we tasting yet? Um, I think we got to get into that outcross beer. Let's take a beer break. Most people associate the birth of the craft beer revolution with a few notable places. Anchor Brewing in San Francisco, New Albion in Sonoma, and Sierra Nevada in Chico. All places in California. But did you know that the first brew pub to open after Prohibition was located in Yakima? Grant's Brewery Pub opened in 1982, serving Grant's Real Ales, made by proprietor Burke Grant. Burt got his first job in the brewing industry at the ripe old age of 16 before consulting at breweries around the world and finally settling in Yakima in the late 1960s. Grant's Brewery Pub was opened in Yakima's old opera house and began with a pale ale and expanded its lineup to include an IPA, amber ale, Scottish ale, Burt was from Scotland after all, and a number of seasonal styles. The brew pub eventually moved to the city's train depot and existed there under Burt's ownership until 1995 when it was sold. The brand lived on until 2005, but has since been discontinued after a number of financial and legal problems. Burt Grant is also credited with creating the first hop pelletizing machine in the U.S., and his legacy on the industry is certainly hard to overstate. Sadly, Burt Grant passed away in 2001 at the age of 73. Cheers to Bert, Grant's Brewery Pub, and their collective legacy. Now, let's get back to the show. Outcross Omega uh, that we have. And is there anything about this particular variation that is special uh, or how the flavor profile might stand out to you on this one? So it really depends on which beer you have. So this is kind of a unique one to put in a sampler box where you only get one can because Outcross is, is a set. There's three beers that came from those three tanks that you showed in that picture. And so when we put them on tap, we put all three on tap. Um, so we do, we often do tap takeovers with these two. And then we sell it as a three pack can. So you can kind of take home a, all three and compare them side by side. So I don't know, which one are you drinking, Tom? If you look at the front, there's three little white boxes and there's check marks in them or X's. There you cosmic go. Punch. So you've got you have cosmic punch. I have cosmic punch, but I so this is a, this is a new wrinkle. Yeah. Well, hang on just a second. Apparently, I I, <laughs> I, I, I was just gonna cause... I was just gonna keep on going with Shinrin, but now I have to go there. Hang on. Yeah, just yeah. A second. Oh come on! What are you doing, Tom? You're supposed to open the beer along with us. What what kind of co-host are you, man? You're this just gonna crush Shinrin's all day. So here, I mean, this is a this is this is a thing about Outcross where. It works really, really well if you're able to actually get a set of three and someone can explain to you what's going on. <laughs> but it's it's pretty different than what people are used to 
buying in a store. Like for one, you only get three and then they're each different. So it's been a little bit hard to place in bottle shops and figure out how to like actually market it and get people to pick up on like what's going on. It's not that complicated, but it's definitely mm-hmm. different. So it doesn't make sense immediately. We're trying to figure out how to make that, <laughs> how to solve that. I get a couple, I get a couple boxes shipped to me so I can do research. And uh, I had the star party first having the cosmic punch now noticing significant more suspension haze totally. with this one yeah a uh, lot more juiciness a lot softer on the palate which is crazy because not different water not nothing different than the fermentation right oh wow yeah fermentations are pretty much all the yeah same. i don't know which i don't know which one i drank the first yeah. time but this is so much different than when i when i <laughs> when i had it first crazy i didn't even yeah what do you, which one do you I have? I have the uh, the Sunbrew Ale or is the Sun Sundew? Sundew. Sorry, it's a small writing, and I have bad okay. eyes. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So I can walk you guys through through the three. So Sundew is the one where um, they Omega basically turned off the the phenolic genes. So the gene in there that's creating the spicy like clovey flavors that you would get when you're fermenting a Belgian. Um, so it's a Belgian yeast. That's the base. And I don't remember the number of this particular strain, but they took their base strain. They used some biotechnology to turn off a gene and leave behind the, the rest of the, the, the rest of the yeast is unchanged. So it's still producing the same ester profile. All the other things are the same. It's just not producing phenolics. So in that, in the set of three, that's kind of the control in a way it's the most like normal. That's an IPA. Um, it's kind of nice and fruity. The beer is dry hopped with the, uh, half a pound per barrel of mosaic and half a pound per barrel of citra, both cryos from YCH. Um, so it's about two pounds per barrel equivalent T90 dry hop. So a little bit lower rate for us because it was going to get kind of complemented by the, the thiol compounds that are supposed to be boosted in the other two strains. And then cosmic punch, which you're drinking, Brian, that's the, their strain that the base is their basically their London hazy strain, British ale five that they've, they put in a functional gene, a beta lyase gene from Chico, actually. They like moved it over and then they put it in front of a promoter that means it makes it always expressed. So it's always putting out this enzyme that is able to chop up thiol precursors and make some of those tropical guava passion fruit flavors, but not at really intense wow. levels. That I find it to be like pretty complimentary. Like it's a nice amount of like tropicalness, but it doesn't completely dominate the beer. You still got the hop character there doesn't seem like it puts off kind of too many like funky or off off flavor or sulfury compounds still learning about these things but yeah that weird thing that guava can do it's it's hard to describe funky or sour almost i don't know it's hard to describe and then the star party which neither of you guys are drinking today that is basically a chico uh, you know a chico strain that they have put in a different enzyme that does the same thing. It's also cleaving those precursors. It's just way more active than the one that's being expressed in the cosmic punch. So the levels that I don't remember what they are technically, but the levels of the files that are expressed are just magnitudes more than in the cosmic punch. Um, and it's also a Chico strain. So it's pretty bright. It's not making a hazy beer. Um, it's ferments a little bit drier. Yeah. So those are the, those are the three. So we did those three side by side and, uh, that was our first experience with them. It's pretty interesting. We made a few beers after those. 
just harvesting the yeast off of them to learn a little, learn a little bit more. And then we have another set in the tanks right now that we're dry hopping today with uh, a couple other omegas and one Berkeley strain, all doing similar biol biol oh, cool. things, but all in a hazy, hazy London style base strain. So. I, I love the variations on a theme, like and being able to do that in one production is, is yeah, like it's amazing. It's been really fun. And I mean, it's been an amazing way for us to connect with a lot of different suppliers too. You know, I, I was at Yakima Chief for almost six years, I think five or six years. And so I'm like pretty deeply ingrained in the hop industry on the supply side, but it's been really nice to be able to use this project kind of like platform to connect with pretty much everybody else who's working in the hop industry. And I guess now yeast <laughs> to like, look at what else is, what else is new, what else is relevant and, you know, learn for our own sake, but Outcross is a public facing project, right? It's a, it's consumer facing in our tap room. Um, the beers themselves, like anybody from the hop industry, since it's kind of centered here, can come into the tap room and buy the beers, can sample them, they can take them back, run them to their own sensory or their own labs. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very open thing. <laughs> There's no proprietariness in it. Which strain in this series surprised you the most? You know, I'm sure you got descriptions from Omega, like, sure. oh, it should do this. It should do this. And, and you had an idea in your recipe design, but yeah. were there surprises? So Sundew made a really nice beer. I wouldn't say it, the yeast made it remarkably different, but it, it was a nice beer. The Cosmic Punch, so far, we kept using Cosmic Punch. So we harvested off that and we made a couple other beers. One was good. One was pretty exceptional. So I, I think from this first that first experience, Cosmic Punch ended up being more successful for us. The star party which is has a really really active gene in it is too much for most people's palates i don't know <laughs> there's there's some flavors that like are a little more polarizing some people might be totally on board and some people are it's just too much and so we're still kind of learning about that one like the the set that we have in the tanks right now has another another one of their strains helio gazer that has that same gene in it but it's a different base base yeast strain so we kind of see where that where that lands as well, what its intensity is. And, and where do you see, where do you see Alcross going from here? Are there possibilities for other experimental series? Alcross will probably just continue on with, with that like concept. We need to figure out a little bit more how to successfully sell and market it and make it a little less confusing for the consumer and get it onto shelves in a way that people will buy a little faster. There are people who get it, but uh, it's not a very large audience. That's really the only downside of it <laughs> at the moment. We have other we have other opportunities to do more more of these with other other companies, other partners, and then um, you know people are always making new things too. So you know at this point, there's opportunities to go back to probably go back to Haas, go back to Steiner, um, go back to Yakima Jeep branches, and like look at what else they have bred. Um, there's also people, yeah. There's other some other breeding breeding outfits that we haven't worked with yet as well. There will be more. Awesome. So speaking, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about your fresh hops, apparently. Uh, so <laughs> they're pretty good. You guys started a collaboration series called the Fresh Hopper Rodeo. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that collab and what it's like to collaborate with a variety of breweries of that kind of scale? Yeah. So the, so the Fresh Hop Rodeo works a lot, works pretty similarly to Outcross where we, we, 
instead of collaborating with a hop company or some supplier and trying three different ingredients, we collaborate with three different breweries. And then those three breweries get to basically figure out everything that's going to happen to the beer in one of those experimenter tanks. So like the last round was Stone, Fort George and um, Fremont. And just to kind of use them as an example, on brew day, everybody comes, we've already kind of decided what the base recipe is. Like it's going to be a West Coast uh, IPA or hazy IPA for the fresh hop base. So we, we've already kind of built a malt bill recipe and then kind of day of, we triage our options for wet hops to say like, okay, what are we going to, where are we going to go? What farms? And then what varieties are we looking for? And the group of us, so the three breweries plus some single hill people, we probably will, we'll mash in and we'll rally around the Valley and pick up all the wet hops for the day, come back and put those into the mash tun as the hop, as the like hop back wet hop edition. And that's kind of, that's the base beer. So everybody's collaborating on that base beer from, from there. We might pelletize some hops and use them in the whirlpool too. Kind of depends on the direction we want to go. And then we we'll split it into those three tanks, the same ones we use for outcross. And then Stone gets a tank, Greenwald gets a tank, uh, Fort George gets a tank, and they get to decide. This year, people brought their own yeast in a lot of cases, so they're fermenting with different yeasts sometimes. And then they get to decide what all the what all the fermenter hops will be, fermenter hops or dry hops. And you know, we may have picked those up that day. We may have already like had a plan in place and like picked them up a week before and had them saved. Um, but basically then those, the collaborating breweries like decide on the hop bill um, and how to build out the dry hop on it. And then it's friendly competition to make the best beer. So everybody starts from the same place, but then the friendly competition is to say like, okay, who's going to make the best one out of each round. And so we do three rounds of this, nine different breweries and put on tap, put them on tap one at a time, one set at a time. So the round one is on for two weeks, round two is on for two weeks, round three is on for a week or two. And then the best beer from each round ends up into the finals. And the finals actually just went on tap today. That's kind of how that works. And then when you win, you get a, get a belt buckle that says fresh up rodeo champion or second place or third place. So who is in the finals this year? Um, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure it's stone uh, grains of wrath and wayfinder. Oh, shout out to Wayfinder. Wayfinder made a lager fermented IPA with a bunch of fresh centennial and the fermenter hops. Grains of Wrath, can't quite remember what his dry hops were, but it was a West Coast IPA <laughs> fermented with Chico that he brought up. And then um, Stone fermented with our yeast, late, late season fresh hops. So it kind of gets some weird options by the time you get to the last weeks because harvest is getting on pretty long. So yeah, good beers. So they're uh, so Wayfinders really sticking to that cold IPA trend. Then they, they are not, <laughs> not going to give that. Up. They are not letting you that know, go. He actually meant to bring a hazy yeast with him. He just forgot it, and <laughs> so we pitched a pack of thirty four seventy in there, and there we are. I can't go wrong with thirty four seventy. There you yeah. go. That's great. Yeah, so that's the rodeo. That's we've done that three years now. So it's it's a fun project, and it's just another way for us to expand our. Uh, we'll just share more of what we do with fresh hops because we have a, it's super fun where we are and we're, it's so convenient and so easy for us. And we're, we're able to kind of do this sort of ridiculous kind of fresh hop brewing. So it's fun to share with people. We either are already really accomplished with it or have like almost no experience with it because I don't live around here. It tends to be the two kind of people we invite. 
Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk, you know, about like the kitchen sink beer that you make at the end of the year. You know, you make kitchen sink stout because you got all these specialty malts left over, and you can just pick and choose and kind of you know figure out what's what's what we can what can we throw in here and you have a, have a fun day with it. But like to do that with hops and to be able to drive, okay, we're gonna go to this place, we'll grab <laughs> these hops, come back and throw them in. I, I imagine as a brewer, especially a large scale production brewer like somebody that works at Stone. That's got to be the the funnest brew day that they've that they may ever, maybe ever have. <laughs> Honestly, this sounds like one of the coolest things I've ever heard about in the industry. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. I mean, like Jeremy, who's at Stone, like we were doing farm audits for the hop quality group at the very very beginning of harvest, like day one, and then you know a month later we got to brew this beer together, which was a privilege. So, pretty freaking cool. So we talked a lot about fresh hops, talked a lot about brew, and talked a lot about beer, but. What is one thing that you wish the Yakima Valley was more well known for? Yakima is an awesome place, and but it's not in this. I don't. <laughs> we joke. My wife and I joke about this a lot. That like it's time to stop telling people Yakima is great. Um, mm, yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah. So Yakima is is a very interesting place. It's a working town. We're one hundred percent. The town is centered around agriculture. Um, it's not like a Bend, Oregon, or a Portland, or a Bellingham, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, like. You know, it's, it's not a, there's no, no university driving it. It's not driven by tourism. Um, it's not driven by gentrification. Like it, it, Yakima is here because of ag and uh, it's probably not going to change. So it makes it a real place. It's got probably a little bit more problems and a little bit more opportunity than a lot of like really hip places these days. It's really well located though. It, close to the Cascades. It's really about 30 minutes to some pretty excellent like trad crack climbing, um, Tyson river and the Natchez also they're right there. So it's climbing, there's boating, there's mountain biking, there's hiking, um, skiing's only an hour away and there's no people. So don't all move here. Cause it's kind of nice how quiet it is, but, uh, mm-hmm. we could use a few probably. <laughs> I can't, can't remember. I can't remember if it was Kevin that said it or Nate last week, but they basically said the same thing. Like, yeah, we don't, we just don't want people to know. Just, just keep quiet. You know, <laughs> that's great. Uh, are you a climber? Uh, some, I'm, my wife's a climber. I'm a follower. These days, okay. So. You're, you're a belayer. I can follow pretty much what she can climb these days, but <laughs> okay. I, I don't, that's climb great. Much these days, though, so. But we do have good climbing. No, it's, it's a great area here. And it was in Fort Collins before Yakima. There's a lot of parallels between the front range, just geographically. But when you go to the crag here, chances are, you know, there are the people climbing and there's only two other parties instead of like mm-hmm. fighting for space. Right. There's no traffic on the way to skiing here. Either. You're going from the, the right side of the mountain on, on that. Oh, so here, here's a, here's a question though. I'm assuming you're going to, you're going to the big three, uh, Alpental ski acres and Suquamish summit, or are you going elsewhere? No, White Pass. White Pass? Okay. Yeah, that's our mountain. It's, you know, 45 minutes on a snow-free yeah. road. An hour if it's, like, a little bit snowy. Certainly better skiing than we have here in Western PA. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. A, it's a mountain, not a ski hill. Yeah. Hey, they, they call them highlands. They're called the Laurel Highlands. They're, it's not a mountain. It's not a hill. It's a yeah. highland. Okay. <laughs> We just, it's, there can it's, only be one. It, 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 the whole, the whole southwestern Pennsylvania existence is convincing yourself that what you have is better than what you have, which I mean, 
that's a that's a that could be a trail to bliss. Sure. Yeah. But this is a beer and travel podcast, so we're not gonna we're not gonna dig into that yeah. too far. But visiting Yakima during harvest is a really unique and special thing, and it's totally worth doing. Yes, but don't move there. <laughs> or do. <laughs> move to Sela instead. All right. <laughs> sure. Thanks so much for joining us, Zach. Anything to plug? Where can people find Single Hill Beer? We're in Washington, uh, kind of all over the west side, and then we're down in Portland these days, probably throughout Oregon, specialty shops and bars. Find us on the internet, singlehillbrewing.com, and a lot of things on Instagram, especially if you want to like learn a little bit more about our fresh hop stuff. Like You can find a pretty good story about everything we've made this year, who we worked with, and who we were brewing with, and which farms we went to. So. That's at Single Hill Brewing on Instagram. Sounds about right. <laughs> yes. I had, I had to double check. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks to you, and thanks for everybody at Single Hill for providing the beers for this episode. These were really... Uh, great enjoyable beers and, and super cool to learn about the Alcross uh, series and everything you guys are doing over there. So everybody at home, if you want to learn more at Single Hill Brewing on Instagram, you can find more from us at Ruvana.com. Uh, check out the beer club and get great local beers like these ones featured on the show today, shipped directly to your door. Um, also check out our holiday beer boxes. Excellent gift option. For that friend that's always stealing your beers. <laughs> I, I really, I, I will again say how excited I am for the beer lineup in both the Hoppy Hanukkah and the 12 Beers at Christmas box. So please go check that out. It, we're we're, we're going to have a great time for the holidays this year. But in terms of brews less traveled, we got one more great Yakima brewery to learn about next week. And uh, until then, stay safe, be kind, and uh, support your local breweries, everybody. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers.